1: Noah's building walking by faith just like we need to walk by faith. Somebody say amen. So he's struggling for words. A boat, well, it's, it's a thing, and we, we, God wants me to put stuff in it, and people in it, and animals in it, and it's big, and it goes on the water like this. Uh, you know, this never happened. Now Noah's got to explain to people as they're questioning what he's doing. So it's never rained before. So what is rain? And so Noah's hammering away, preaching, telling people that rain is going to destroy them. And the people mocked and they laughed because they'd never seen rain before. And they thought Noah was crazy. And they laughed at him until the first drop. Did you hear me? Until the first drop, God shut the door with Noah and his family safely in the ark. And it was too late. Think about this. Things that make you go, hmm eight people were right and millions of people were wrong. Noah and his family, eight people were right. Millions of people were wrong. And people say to us, oh, you Christians, come on. Jesus is the only way. You claim that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. You mean to tell me that of all the the loving people that are in the world and nice people and the Chinese people and Indian people and the pygmies in Africa and all of these people in the world, you mean to tell me you Christians are claiming that Jesus is the only way? And I tell them, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes, because it was Jesus himself who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. It was Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man, nobody, nothing, honey. You ain't getting into heaven by your good works, and you're not getting into heaven by your tithing, and you're not getting into heaven because you got baptized when you were a baby. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and have accepted him into your heart, you cannot go to heaven. You mean to tell me that there is one way to get to heaven Christian? Yes. And I'm telling you, just like in Noah's day, eight people were right and millions of people were wrong. I am telling you today that anyone, I'm not talking about Calvary Chapel people, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. If you believe that one thing about Jesus Christ, you are right. And everybody else is wrong. Well, some of y'all don't like that, huh? And everybody else is wrong. Eight people were right. Millions were wrong. Jesus is saying in the days of Noah, people's hearts and minds will be unprepared and unconcerned. And that's why whatever we do and wherever we go, we need to be ready. Matthew 24, 36, write it down. No man knows the day nor the hour. Now we could spend all day with the parallels that were happening with Noah In Noah's day and what's being repeated now. But the point that Jesus is making, saints, please listen to me carefully. The point that Jesus is making and the point that is important for you to take away is the suddenness of the flood. That although it took 120 years for Noah to build the ark and God's message was being preached to a generation of people who weren't even trying to hear it. They refused to listen when their first drop came to those who didn't believe, it was shocking, it was sudden, and it was unexpected. And so Christians, we need to be watchful, we need to be vigilant, and we need to be telling people that Jesus is coming soon. I still believe it. I'm gonna wait while you clap your hands. And we can't let the world squeeze us into its mold, because the world's trying to silence you. The world's trying to silence you. Oh, we don't want you talking about Jesus in the workplace now. And you can talk about anything else. But you talk about Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? y'all? Anybody know? You talk about Jesus in the workplace and see what happened to you. Then you can go to work on Monday. Hey, what you doing over the weekend? Well, we went to the top of the mountain, and we sat in the lotus position, and we studied our navel. <laughs> and people are like, really? What did you find? Well, we found out we all have Naval lint. <laughs> wasn't that gross? It just wasn't right either. It's for service. Oh, and, you know, oh yeah, we just, we just studied our net with such a spiritual experience. Oh, tell me more, tell me more. But you tell people, you go, well, what would you do on the weekend? Well, we went to church. And a brother that in our church died, and we had worship, and we had fellowship, and then we we sang songs to Jesus, and we read the Bible, and you suddenly like, wait a minute, now wait, 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 Don't talk about Jesus and all that stuff out here, you know. And you keep doing that, and you'll lose your job. That's the way it goes in 2010. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You will lose your job, but I will tell you this: it will be better for you. To not compromise and lose your job than to compromise and keep that job and you don't like that job anyway. You don't want you know you don't like that job. You need to go to work tomorrow. Go to work tomorrow and just walk in there and go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. And they'd be giving you a box. (laughs) And you don't want that job anyway. I'm just trying to help you. I'm your pastor. I'm trying to help you get (laughs) fired. Because I love the Lord and I love you. I'm just trying to help you. Look at verse 28. We got to move forward. Likewise in the days of Lot. Are you looking at verse 28? Likewise in the days of Lot. They were eating and they were drinking. They were buying. They were selling. And they were building new homes. And they were shopping until the day that Lot was brought out of Sodom and it rained fire and brimstone and destroyed them all. Now we all know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and his wife, don't we? The city was given over to sexual perversion, depravity, perverse men were knocking down Lot's door because some male visitors had come. And Lot pleaded with them and he even offered his own daughters, but they wanted the men. And God struck them with blindness, check it, Genesis chapter 19 verse 16 and an angel took Lot by the hand to get him out of the city and the angel said Lot I got to get you out of this city because we can't judge the city until you're out of here you'll find that in verse 22 of that same chapter and so they wouldn't be judged along with the city and so Lot and his wife are running out of the city and Lot said hey to his wife he said hey what's that behind you and she looked back and she turned into a, bill, a pillar of salt. And she was assaulted. I actually like that one. You know, the story about this Sunday school teacher was describing how Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. And when little Jason interp- interrupted, and he said, Well, my mommy looked back once while she was driving, and she turned into a telephone pole. Hey, Amen. So Noah, now watch the contrast here. You want to get this? That's funny. And and you got to get this, okay? Here's the contrast. Noah is preserved through the judgment and Lot is taken out before the judgment. Did you get that? Now I point this out because that's the way it will be when Jesus comes. After the rapture of the church, there will be those who are preserved through the tribulation period, like Noah, 144,000 in the book of Revelation. Go ahead and read it of the nation of Israel. They are preserved through the tribulation. But then there are those who like Enoch and Lot who are taken out before the judgment begins. The church. Jesus is going to come at any time and take the church out. And that's why you want to be found. You want to be ready and you want to be found in a place where you won't be embarrassed if the Lord were to rapture you. Somebody say amen. Uh Uh-huh. You don't want to be. Some places you just don't want to be when the Lord raptures you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You don't want to be there. Because you know what? You'll probably get raptured. And you'll stand before the Lord and the Lord will say, now why was you there? And you're going to say, well, you know, you know, you know you ain't had no business being there. See, you don't want to be, you don't want to be there. You want to be where God wants you to be in a place. Uh, Me personally, I want to get raptured from right here in the pulpit. I'd love to. I told you I want to die right here in the pulpit. Love to. Because I wanna be where God wants me to be and I wanna be in a place when, he, when I get rapture that I can stand before him and not ashamed Amen. and not embarrassed about where I was. Look at verse 31, we gotta move on. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let them not be concerned with their stuff. Matthew twenty-four seventeen. you write that down. Jesus is talking about his second coming. And the abomination of desolation, or what I like to call the abomination which causes desolation, Matthew 24. If you're really interested in end time stuff, go order that CD. You'll find it, I think, pretty interesting. But then Jesus in in Matthew 24, he's talking about the abomination of desolation, and he says the same thing. Jesus says, when you see all this stuff going on, this is what you should do. Run like the Dickens, head for the hills, flee like a fugitive. Jesus says, don't go down to take anything with you and don't waste a few moments. You know, the truth is, if you're ready for Jesus coming, you won't be concerned about all the stuff you leave behind. Can the church say amen? And your heart won't be on what you have in your house, but what you have in heaven. Look at verse 33. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. In other words, if you give your life to Jesus and you take up your cross and you begin to follow him, you're going to find life. But if you try to hold on to your life, you are going to lose your life. This is how it works. I'm trying to help you. The more you live for yourself, the more miserable you become. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The more you live for yourself, the more miserable you become. The more you live for others, the happier you will be. I'm so happy. I'm happy that God made me the pastor of this church. I'm happy to help orphans, HIV infected children who have no hope and no family. I'm happy. November 8th, Calvary Chapel Training Center will have their first class in training pastors and teaching them how to teach the Bible in India. I'm happy about that. I don't know, is anybody else? Is that awesome? And I'm happy and people ask me all the time, man, Pastor Rodney, when do you rest? When do you sleep? Are you tired? Blah, blah, blah. And I tell him, you know what? No, no, I'm happy because you know what? Jesus said I should give my life away. And I can tell you what he's done for me. I owe him that. I owe him my life. Can I get a witness? I owe him my life. Without him, I'd be Nothing. With him, there's nothing I can't do. Right? In Christ, all things are possible. Without him, you can do nothing. Jesus takes ashes and makes something beautiful out of it. I don't know how beautiful I am, but he takes ashes and he makes something beautiful. The more you give your life away, the more you will find life. You'll discover true life in Jesus. You know, I hear people say all the time, man, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. You know what I say? Then let it go. And if you let it go, then you have nothing to worry about because you have nothing to lose. Makes sense to me. It was Jim Elliot, the famous martyr missionary, and he said this. I love this quote. He said, he is no fool to give up what he cannot keep To gain what he cannot lose, he is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In verse 34, Jesus says, I tell you, look at verse 34, are you looking at it? Jesus says, I tell you, there shall be two men, is in italics. So in the original language, it reads, There shall be two, one will be taken and the other left. Two women, grinding in the field, one taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field working, one taken, the other left. Jesus is making the point that God will come for his people all over the earth at one moment. And there's a lot of interpretation concerning who's left and who's taken. I believe that, that those that are taken are taken away in judgment. And those who are left, are the tribulation saints who will go into the thousand year reign of Christ. Now listen, you are free to disagree with me. Just don't do it today because it's been a long day and and, and Pastor might have to get in the flesh. So, uh, (laughs) sorry. So you're free to disagree. Some people have different positions on that. I'll tell you something. We at Calvary Chapel, we believe in the eminent. The word eminent means ready now. We believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Anybody clap your hands if you know you believe that we believe Jesus could come for his church at any moment. And the Bible, listen, teaches and the Bible believes that Jesus could come back at any moment. The New Testament church taught that Jesus could come in any moment. The apostles, Peter, Paul, thousands of poets and preachers and teachers and hymn writers and theologians and reformers and Spurgeon and Moody and Graham and the list goes on and on of those who spent their lives preaching and teaching the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And then finally in verse 37, they answer and they said to Jesus, where Lord? So he said to them. Whenever the body, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Now again, there are too many interpretations to this verse, but I'll give you mine since I have the microphone. Some say it's speaking of the rapture. I'm not so sure about that. And some say it's talking about the birds of prey at Armageddon who come to feast on the captains and the princes and the kings, and I'm not so sure about that either. What I believe the Lord is saying here is that just like a corpse, are you listening? Just like a corpse or carcass rots to the point where it begins to smell and draws the vultures and the birds of prey. When this world becomes so rotten and putrefied with sin, then judgment will begin. The thing, saints, listen, if you've heard nothing else I've said, please hear me now. The thing that we have to understand is that God measures time morally. God does not measure time based on a clock. God does not measure time based on a calendar. God measures time morally. And when God sees that, which I think we're kind of right there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When God looks down and sees that that the world is so putrid and rotten and sin has infected us to the point where he will then come and the rapture will take place, his second coming will take place. When God sees that we are at that point where almost where I could say this, he can't stand the smell anymore. And don't you think just by round of applause, we're, we're almost there. Don't you think? Almost there, where you can't stand the smell anymore. I mean, I was just reading today um, um, online. Somebody sent me an article, and y'all, y'all can go Google it. Today, um, a, a, husband, a husband shot his wife and shot three other people, went across the lawn at a mobile park where they live, shot his wife and shot three other people because he didn't like the way she cooked his eggs. We are getting to the place where we are morally bankrupt. People don't care anymore. And when we get to that place, that where, where God knows we're at that place, Jesus is coming soon. You know, yesterday, and, and many I told you that Jordan, Jordan Gibbs passed away and, and, and he... Um, I don't know, did did y'all hear about the story about it was on the news of what happened? An 18-year-old boy, Monday, and he and some friends were out swimming with another family. Families were out there hanging out, swimming. And they were racing to a buoy. And one boy got to the buoy and looked back, and there was no Jordan. He didn't hear any screams for help. He didn't hear any, you know... Rustling or tussling in the water or anything, just, just, just gone. So one of the sisters in in the church, and she's here now actually, um, she, um, went down looking for him. This was Monday. She went down looking for him. She couldn't find him. She came up for air, went back down looking for him, couldn't find him, came up for air, went back down looking for him, she couldn't find him. She went back over to the shore and she got the kayak and then she got in the boat and she rode around the the perimeter there at Jordan Lake and... Asked people, "Hey, did you see this black kid?" And we thought she thought maybe he was playing a joke or something like that. I don't know. But did you see anybody? And nobody saw. And she got back over and went to the park ranger. And if you've been to Jordan Lake, you know they've got signs that say that if uh, if you swim, you swim at your own risk. And and so she went back over. She saw a park ranger who happened to be there, and she said, "You know, can you help me find him?" And he couldn't do anything. She said, "Well, can you give me a flashlight?" Give me a flashlight, and I'll go down, and I'll, I'll look for him again. Give me a flashlight. And he didn't have a flashlight. And so they called the divers in Chapel Hill, and it took them, you know, 45 minutes to get there. The divers, they, you know, were the search and rescue divers. 18 years old, and they got there, and they, um, and they found him. And when they pulled him out the water, as I understand it, his mom and dad were there. Isn't that something? And you know what's a blessing? Bless me today. His mother and father were at church today. They were at second service, sitting in service, worshiping God. And the memorial service, as I think I mentioned to you earlier, did I mentioned earlier, okay memorial service there were so many people here. It was packed we chairs were all up here, and people loved him. He was a unique eighteen year old young man, and people loved him they, people loved him, and they everyone that came to the mic. They came, we had like, you know, we had like seven, nine people who would say something about him and every one of them just talked about how great he was and how he shared Jesus and, and everybody knew. And we know for a fact, which makes a funeral so easy for a pastor, a memorial service. When you know that person that died, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And I'm, I was so blessed and I was so honored. To, to be able to share and, and to share with confidence that I know that, that he's with the Lord. That he's with Jesus. And, and, and in the presence of the Lord is a fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures evermore. And I can guarantee you that if you ask Jordan, if you could ask Jordan right now for the things that he's seeing, read the book of Revelation. For the things that he is seeing right now and be in the presence of the Lord, if you asked him, you want to go back to earth, he would probably tell you no. I don't, because there's beauty in the presence of God. And I asked him yesterday with a room full of people. There must have been 700 people here. And I asked him, and I'll ask you, if Jesus comes today, are you ready? Are you ready? You've got to answer that question. I'm not asking you, do you go to church? God doesn't care whether you go to church or not. Huh. God, you've never heard that from the pulpit, have you? God doesn't care whether you go to church or not. God doesn't care whether you give your money or not. That's another one you never heard from the pulpit, huh? God does not care whether you are whether you've been baptized or not. God cares whether you have received Him. Please listen to me. God cares whether you have received Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Do you know him as your savior? Not that he died for the world, but that he died for you. Do you know that? And that's what God cares about. And Jordan knew that. And he told people about that. And you've got to tell people about that. That Jesus loves them. He is a God of love. But you've got to be ready when he comes. And because we don't know when he is coming, the Bible says, Today, if any man hears my voice, all I'm telling you is that you have to be ready when he comes. Because he's coming soon.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923.